You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. So we're in the middle of 21 Days of Prayer, and last week we kind of cranked this up, and we kind of had this concept. If If you've been reading in Hebrews, great. If you've not, don't overthink it. If some of you guys are having these reading plans for 2020, let me go ahead and give you a little bit of a release. If you miss a day because life happens, don't burden yourself and feel like, oh, now I've got to read 100 chapters to catch up. Just pick up where we are. And so if you have missed the first week of 21 days of prayer, it's okay. 14 days of prayer is great too. All right, so you'll be joining in in 14 days of prayer. And we're going to be in Hebrews. But this first week, if you've noticed, and we talked about it last week, we really are looking at this author who is talking to these Jewish Christians, the, the new foundation of what's going to become God's church in Jerusalem, these Hebrews, which are God's people, the Jews, and they have converted into Christianity. They are starting to understand that it's no longer this Old Testament law that's being governed, that they are now moving into a New Testament covenant. So he's getting rid of this sacrificial concept of law as far as bringing a sacrifice to the temple and he's letting people understand just how superior Jesus is that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice and because of Jesus's superiority because he was truly God you no longer have to go to a temple to sacrifice to get the repentance for your sin now it's a personal relationship and it made me think of one simple thing because he's trying to get them to understand I made this statement last week you know, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get them to understand is there's, there's some things that, that you remember that you should forget, and then there's some things you forget that you should remember. And so the question is, so what do we do with that? Like, what do we do with these first two weeks? Because even this week, it's all about the supremacy of Christ, how much more Christ is. You're going to be reading tomorrow that Jesus is more than the different prophets that came before him. He's more than the angels. And they're going to talk about this priest line, this this priest line that was set up in Old Testament, and this amazing priest that did amazing things, and how Jesus has come to be the ultimate high priest. And the question is, so what do we do with that? What is the purpose of that? In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it gives us an answer, and we're going to start there and then go into Philippians. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, very simply states this. Therefore... And the therefore is literally there because of what Hebrews chapter 1 talks about. Because Jesus is superior, therefore, listen to what it says, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. You know, what do you do with Hebrews? What do you do with this major dialogue about Jesus being superior? Well, chapter 2 verse 1 tells you. It says, you know what, you better lean in and pay much more attention. See, if there is an answer that's been put on the table and the answer is right, then you better lean in to that answer. Because if not, you'll find yourself drifting away. Can I put it in simpler terms for you? If you've ever ridden with me in a car, you're blessed. (laughs) Because you know that I am what they would call a distracted driver. What does that mean? Everything's cool to me. Wow, look at the deer. Hey, look at the cow. Hey, look at that. Wow, look at that over there. And if you don't know that about me, and it's not that it's unsafe, it's just adventurous, you know? And so I, I could tell you all the different things that are running in the fields and flying across the air and, and at the same time tell you where we're going. I've had many times, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, some of you may have felt like this before, that I've driven somewhere and gotten there and go, I don't even know how I got here. Like I just, like I just drove. 
like I don't remember really anything about the drive. It's just, but I, I remember like, oh, cool, look at the sunset. And wow, yeah, I was just kind of listening to, you know, Air One and just kind of like, I don't know what was happening. You know, and it just, but it's, you know, it's one of those things they call it kind of a distractive driver. But here's what I've noticed about my vehicle is if I focus on something too long, I have a tendency to drift that way. So like if I'm driving down the road and somebody's like, oh, dad, look, I'm like, oh, and I, there we go. And so everybody's learned that's ridden with me. Don't ever tell dad to look at anything. Like, like we say, hey, dad, look at the road. And I'm like, all right. And I'm stay on course. Because I have a tendency that where my focus goes, that's a tendency of the direction in which I go. That's the way I start to veer. That's exactly what he said in chapter 2. He said, therefore, because of this, you better pay much more attention. Because if not, you're going to find yourself drifting away. See, as we go into 2020, and we're thinking about what God's purpose is and everything it holds, and we think about 2019 and everything that it held, I look forward to the last Sunday of this month. Make sure you're here. We're going to be sharing with you guys some amazing things that we have done, what you personally and us working together in this thing called Crossroads is happening and what's been taking place. I'm so looking forward to it. But a lot of it is because there's a clear vision. There's a clear focus. A lot of you wonder, what are these signs for every single week? We exist to be a life-giving church in our community. How do you do that? We help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. What about all the other stuff? If it doesn't fit that, we're not going to veer. If it doesn't help you know God, if it doesn't help you find freedom, if it doesn't help you discover your purpose, if it doesn't help you go make a difference, then you know what? It's off limits because that's the focus. I cannot tell you how many times I watch different people who have amazing intentions. The problem is, like me driving, they're just distracted. And if you find yourself focusing on something too long, you will find yourself drifting towards that direction. That's what he's talking about in Hebrews. That's what he's trying to set you up for. He's saying, listen, because Jesus is superior, pay much more attention to him. But you know, Paul in Philippians goes one more step. Not only do we have to pay much more attention, but listen to what Paul says. It's, he, he talks about this aspect of, of like pressing forward. It's not just focusing on the right thing, but also like an ownership, like pressing forward to own what it is that you have. Listen to how he says it. It's really good. It's Philippians chapter 3, very, very, very familiar verse in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, this, this salvation that's talked about in Hebrews also shows up in Philippians when he's talking to the church at Philippi. He's writing this actually from a jail, and he's letting them know, guys, not that I've already perfected this, not that I've already obtained this. If you want to know what he's talking about, you'd have to go further back in chapter 3, and Paul kind of gives a autobiography of his credentials you know I mean he, he was a who's who among men to the Romans he was a citizen to the Jews he was a Jew he goes through all these different things it's like he had a lot of special rights because of who he was that's not what I'm going to dwell on but what he's letting them know is despite the things that people may think that I am here's what I've understood I'm never big enough to take my focus off of Christ like I've got to constantly press forward to own this 
First question, if you're taking notes, to write down. Have you owned your faith yet? Like, I know a lot of people that get very deep in their life, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, okay? I just, I just want to help you to move forward with it. But they're living on mommy and daddy's faith. They're living on grandpa's faith. They're living on pastor's faith. They're living on student pastor's faith. They're living on a friend's faith. You say, how do you know that? Because if you ask them questions about faith, they always say, well, hang on, I'll tell you who to call. Like they've not owned it. They're not finding themselves staying focused. Now, pause button for a second. Everybody has the right to go on the journey. We don't expect people when they accept Christ to immediately be at the same place that somebody that's been pursuing Christ for several years. Like I think that's one of the downfalls that sometimes churches have. We, we have people that will pray and have a life change that takes place and we immediately just expect it like, poop, everything's gone. Listen, it took many, many years to get to where they're at and though God has saved them and transformed their life, sometimes it takes many years to get out of everything. We're gonna talk about that more in a minute. But the first thing that we got to do in 2020 is we got to first recognize there are some things that I need to pay more attention to than others. There's some things that I got to focus on more than others. Because some things, when I focus on them, I get distracted. Others, when I focus on them, I start to create ownership and get to where I want to go. And in that process, I got to make a commitment to own it and press forward. And then he says this. I love these words. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I do a lot of chaplain stuff for athletics. A lot of guys will use these in athletics. But he makes this comment. He's kind of using a concept of a race. And he says this. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. If you have a paper copy, underline that one thing. If you have a digital copy, then highlight that. One thing. Anytime the Anytime God's word says, hey, there's one thing I would do, you better make a note of that. They are simplifying it. He's saying, you know, there's one thing that I would do. If you want to own this thing called faith, if you want to press forward in 2020, if you want to understand what it means to help people feel known and needed, if you want to personally know what it's like to feel known and needed and pursuing Christ, one thing you've got to do to move forward. Here it is. You ready? Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. There are several things that we get from this one scripture. Number one, we realize that every one of you, including myself, has a calling. Like a lot of you going into 2020 and you're still just trying to figure it out. Like I'm just here because, you know, I'm breathing. Like, I don't know what God's, listen to me. You have a calling. Some of you have listened to, to churches or podcasts or sermons, and you've made calling be something bigger than what it is. Here's the way we put it. You have a purpose. Like, when God created you, he didn't go, oh, man, I, <laughs> man, I was this close on that one, and then right there at the end, I just kind of messed it up. No, he knew exactly what he was doing. He says, I'm going to press on until I can receive and understand what this calling is, this purpose. We're not going to talk about it much today, but, but we can look in other scriptures where it talks about when you discover your calling or discover your purpose, your hope will be tied to that. A lot of people live in a very hopeless situation, and the reason why they're lacking hope is because they still don't know why they're here. Your purpose in Christ will reflect and give you hope to what you're moving to. But he said this, he said, 
putting down what lies behind or forgetting what lies behind and striving, pressing forward to what lies ahead. Write these words down. Are you ready? Sometimes, I'm not going to say all the time, sometimes you got to say goodbye before you can say hello. Sometimes you've got to say goodbye before you can say hello. We are created to think of goodbyes as being a very terrible thing, don't we? This last year in 2019, I said goodbye to a house that I brought two children home to and lived for 11 years. And I was a little bit shocked at how kind of emotional that was. But you know what, sometimes you got to say goodbye to some things in order to embrace and own and say hello to what the next things are. Some of you experienced that in jobs over the years. Let me give you a great example. Some of you have had to say that to get to the relationship God wanted you in. The amazing theologian that's really quoted a lot up in Nashville named Garth Brooks. said he thanks God for unanswered prayers. And the whole, whole aspect is talking about the running into an old girlfriend and, and now he's where he's at. He thanks God in the fact that there's somebody that's bigger than him that was directing his path. But yet, what do we do? Man, we want to hold on to everything, don't we? We want to grip everything like, man, you don't understand. Like, here's normally what happens. There, there's two ways this happens. Usually there's something negative or painful in our life, and we don't know how to deal with it, so we hold on to it. Just, it's kind of almost, now I want to be real careful the way I say this, but it almost becomes like a crutch for us. It's like our excuse. You know, Lord, I know you want me to move forward, and I'm trying to do everything I can, but you know, I, I've got this thing. You know the thing. You've got to pray for you about this thing. And you feel like there's sympathy that God has on you, like, oh, I, yeah, you've got that thing. And reality is God's like, why are you still holding on to that? Like, why don't you let it go? Why don't you say goodbye? Or it happens this way. This is something I see a lot of. God moves in an amazing way and moves in your life, and you grab a hold of it like, wow, this is so amazing. Look at what God did. And 20 years down the road, you're still holding on to the same thing. I was joking around with staff this week. And if you don't know the story, you can go to merolltide.org. It happened four years ago. My, my Facebook memory popped up with Brian, and it was the national championship, and she's screaming, me, Rotide, there's Rotide, I love my Rotide. And her head was shaved, and she'd just come out of that brain surgery and watched God do the miraculous. And here's what it made me realize. As amazing as that was, you know what my prayer is? That it doesn't take me four more years before I see God move in somebody's life again. Like as amazing and as great as that was, I don't want to hold on to an amazing moment where I saw God's faithfulness so tightly that I don't move forward and see God move mightily today. Like, can I, can I help you guys understand this a little bit better? I, I, I want to try to give you an illustration. This is, this is either going to make a whole lot of sense or you're going to see the, the way the pastor's mind works, which is very scary. Your, your issue, my issue, really is more about what we're trusting. Like, that's what's so important about what we're talking about when he says Jesus is superior because where you put your trust 
is where you're going to put your weight. That's what you're going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust this. And if you don't trust the right things, then it may not be able to hold your weight. For a moment you may feel fine, but all of a sudden something breaks down and you find yourself falling. And it's not that you are falling. The issue is what you're trusting is failing. Are you with me? You tracking with me? Now here's the issue. If I'm sitting in what I trust and I'm resting with faith in what I trust and what I trust fails, what is the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to grab a hold of something. I'm going to grab a hold of the closest thing to me. And if you're not careful, you're going to never let go of it. And you're going to find yourself being limited. And your issue is not the things you grabbed a hold of. Your issue is what you originally started your trust in. See, you've set yourself up to align your life with a lot of things that you're holding on to. And it keeps getting more and more because then you find something different. You're like, well, I'm going to try to trust this. And it fails and you grab a hold of something else. And you're like, well, I'm going to try to trust this. And you grab a hold of something else. And then next thing you know, you're going to God and you're like, Lord, I want you to do something amazing. He's like, well, will you receive it? I, I would love to receive it, but I'm full. And God's saying, hey, how about you say goodbye to some stuff? Trust me. And make yourself open where you can receive some stuff. See, what I'm talking about is, is in 2020, living rather than clutched hands, holding on to stuff in your life, living open-handedly. Do you know there's never been a time in my life playing with my boys and throwing football? than I've ever been able to be a receiver of the ball if my hands were full. And I think spiritually speaking, we are the same way. Some of you say, man, I, Mickey, I don't know. Like, I feel like God's got so much more for me. I don't understand why I'm not moving forward. Hey, can I tell you something? As soon as you quit white-knuckling that past... When you stop white-knuckling that relationship that was hurtful, when you stop white-knuckling that abuse, when you stop white-knuckling that thing that you just, I, you don't understand, Mickey, I've got to hold on to this. This is, and you say, Lord, I say goodbye. You know what he's going to say? Hello. It's been a long time. And let me give you some of this. And I think in this room, there sits two to three different types of people. I think the first person that's sitting in the room is somebody that keeps changing this over and over, and you keep trying to see what's going to hold the weight of your life, and everything you're going to is constantly failing you. And you're like, Mickey, if I just knew, can I answer that question? Will you pay much more attention and listen? Jesus is superior. I don't blame anyone for the void that's in their heart. In fact, it's in Ecclesiastes. King Solomon said, God put eternity, this void in your heart, that you would pursue things to fill your life. That's his mechanism for you to pursue him. And I get that you have tried to do, oh, my career, crumble. 
Oh, this relationship, crumble. Oh, my finances, crumble. Oh, if I can just find significance in my community. Oh, if I can just have this person love me. Oh, if I can just get the approval of a parent. Oh, if I can just get this person to finally say they were sorry and they were wrong. And meanwhile, you're loading your hands up. And the reason why you're loading your hands up is you're putting your life in something that's not base to carry the weight of your life. Congratulations. You're human. And every single person in this room has went through that type of a situation. And it's the reason why right now you sit there and you go, it's like he's talking to me. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to all of us. Every single person in this room has grabbed a hold of stuff in their life looking to find what will hold them up. So can I encourage you, if you've not found that yet, to pray today. And say, Lord, I don't understand the whole thing, but I know this. I want to pay much more attention to you. So I accept you as my Lord and Savior. You say, Mickey, how do I do that? It could be as simple as a prayer. You could literally in your heart, even as I'm speaking, say, Lord, I am sorry. Lord, forgive me. And I accept your son, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And he would be up there saying, amen. Hello. But I think there's a second type of person that's sitting here. I think there's a type of person that said, Jesus, I want you to be the Savior of my life, but I'm, I still want to base everything on what I want. Like, Jesus, I know that these things in my life are really important to you because they're really important to me. Can I, can I very, very quickly chase a very quick rabbit? Please show me that where it is in Scripture. I have not found anything in Scripture that says, oh, because it's important to you, it's important to Jesus. But what I have found is that he is enthralled with you. And because he's enthralled with you, he is gracious to your desires and is patient with you. But he is not enthralled with all the things that are taking his place, that are taking his seat. And he especially is not enthralled with all the things that you're gripping a hold of that are not allowing you to receive him. Can I encourage you, if you're one of those people today, that here in just a little while, to come down to this altar and make a very public walk where you come down here saying to everybody, I'm saying goodbye so that I can say hello. You're the third type of person in this room is the person that's got it together and he doesn't have any of it. You say, Mickey, who is that? Honest opinion, not speaking biblically, this is Mickey's opinion, so you don't have to receive this. I don't think they exist in this room. I know the pastor on stage isn't like that. And if you're breathing, I don't think you've got it either. But what's amazing is we can get real. And we can start letting go. And we can start receiving what God has for our life. You say, Mickey, how do we do that? Well, I think that's what's so amazing about worship. I think worship has a tendency to really teach us how to enter into his presence. 
Worship has a way to really teach us of how to let go of things. See, we don't do your typical invitation. You know, we're, we're pastors down front and some pastors are on the side. And, but we do have a prayer team. And I know that a lot of times, if we were to be brutally honest, man, we go to those churches and they're like, hey, we're having an invitation. You're like, dude, I ain't walking down through there because that lets everybody know I got issues. Hey, listen to me. We all know you got issues. I mean, listen, can we be honest? I mean, what would you be here if you didn't have issues? You didn't get up and show up here just because, hey, I ain't got nothing better to do. You know, hey, I want to go, go listen to the worship and participate and hear Pastor Mickey because he's so amazing. I know that ain't it. If you're like me, you stayed up way too late last night, a.k.a. tighten up. Yes, sir, we did. Had to put that in there. I can edit. But it's one of those things that there's a lot of things going on in your life. And you know what I love about your life? Is that if you're here today, there's still a mechanism in you that God's pursuing you. See, he's still trying to say hello to you. And it may not be hello for the first time. It may be hello again. It may be a, hey, I came to see you again. And the only person that's waiting is you to respond. See, I'll have people that come over and visit me in my house. And sometimes when they come and visit me at the house, a.k.a. the office, a.k.a. the church office, it's kind of cool, it's like all in one. And they'll come and they'll knock, and there's sometimes where I'm right in the middle of something. Sometimes it's important. That's very rarely. But sometimes it is. But most of the time, it's just something I'm doing that's occupying my time. It's something I'm working on that doesn't have really a deadline for that moment. It's just, it's kind of occupying my time. And before I can greet them, I have to stop and let go and be like, okay, I can, I can do this later. I'm going to put this down so that I can go say hello. Guys, I don't know any way to tell you. I don't know of another illustration I can give you to make you understand the gravity of how important it is for today to say goodbye. I know for some of you, it's tougher in Hades. I know some of the wounds are deep. I know some of the dreams are big. I know some of the struggles are real. But do you trust him? Do you trust his word? He said, I put down, I lay down what lies behind. Why? So that I can strive to what lies ahead. Listen to me. Your ahead is amazing. Our ahead is amazing. But we're not going to get there with our hands full. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want you to stand up. And we're going to dim the lights. And when I say amen, they're going to start. And we're going to go right back into worship. But for some of you, 
I don't want you to look around. I don't want you to see what's going on. You know exactly who you are. As soon as I say amen, you need to run to this altar and get on your knees and say, Lord, I want to say goodbye. I want to say goodbye and claim it. Lord, I say goodbye to the hurts of the past. I say goodbye for the broken relationships that I sometimes feel inferior, insecurity from. I say goodbye to some of these struggles that I'm carrying that you've not asked me to carry. I say goodbye to the people that have been life-sucking to my life. I love them. I will be there for them. I will try to pursue them with your love. But I say goodbye to it holding me back. And Lord, today I say hello. I receive everything you want from me. Everything you want from me. Not just a little, not just a, almost all. I receive everything you want from my life. You said I could have life and have life more abundantly. Lord, I accept the abundant today in your name. And by the way, Jesus, hello. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.